Hey everybody, Josh Boykin here from Intelligame.us. It is Sunday evening, July 9th. This is another edition of Intelligame Radio. It's been a lazy Sunday afternoon here in Portland, Oregon. I've done pretty much nothing but binge watch House of Cards. Now, I'm not caught up on the show. In fact, I just made my way through season three, and I'm starting on the fourth season now. There's a fifth season on uh, that is actually already on Netflix. For folks who aren't familiar, House of Cards, at least the American version, is the story of Frank and Claire Underwood, two relatively ruthless politicians who find their way into political office by any means necessary. I'm tried to say as much of that as possible with as few spoilers as possible. Ever since at least November, if not a little bit before, I've been avoiding this show like the plague because I felt like it was too much of a reminder of the actual political world around me. For some reason, late last night, I decided to start an episode, and then this morning, that one episode turned into a bunch of others. House of Cards is an intriguing show because it reminds me of the games that we play with each other in business settings, in politics, and the ways that we put on these personas or arrange these deals are willing to do things to win that we may not do in other circumstances. Games give a strange, finite goal. And life doesn't frequently provide us with that. More often than not, we live day to day, doing whatever it is we do, working our jobs, taking care of our families, and we do that until essentially life decides that we've reached game over. But games, like politics, give defined end goals. Reach this point and you have quote unquote won. Sometimes people play the game without really questioning what the purpose of winning is. And House of Cards has reminded me of that because as I watch Claire and Frank Underwood push forward into their political futures, I can't help but keep asking, why are they even doing this? Now, as a light spoiler for folks who haven't been exposed, they're really kind of terrible people. <laughs> um, occasionally, you may be brought, uh, brought back to some warmth or some reminder that they're human, but in the, the process of attempting to win, they do some pretty underhanded, dangerous, even criminal things. In games, sometimes people feel that same incentive to win. And when the stakes are high, things can become fairly complicated. We've seen with the rise of esports, the ways that people can be incentivized to be really terrible competitors, uh, the ways that cheating may get involved, 
And that's been a part of sports, traditional physical sports, forever. We've had to have discussions about doping in the Olympics and things of that nature. There's something that inherently seems to be tripped up when we have that finite end goal in a competition that can make us lose sight of why we're playing that game in the first place. I am not 100% sure why I started off on this track. Um, I guess it feels a little bit like the dark side of gaming. Um, and I try to avoid it as much as possible. It's, I'm the kind of person where when I'm playing a game, if I, if I take the, the cheater's way or whatever, I feel terrible about it way after the game is over. Um, but I, I hope that in the process of people evaluating how they play the game, uh, they will be more likely to do positive things, to try and make them to be more concerned about being a good player uh, than winning the game at whatever cost necessary. Have you ever watched a speedrun before? Speedruns are, for the uninitiated, essentially races through a game. You play through it as quickly as possible with a timer set, uh, attempting to set a record for fastest completion. Usually when you're playing through the games, you're taking advantage of glitches or uh, other strange quirks in the game to try and complete it in a time that folks may have not even imagined possible at one point. A, an entire speedrun series just completed called Summer Games Done Quick, and they raised over one and a half million dollars for cancer research, which is a lot of money to be raised by people playing games. It does speak as a testament to the power of gaming as a medium, but I also think that it speaks to the testament of watching somebody master something. These people who are competing on these speedruns, some people only play a couple of games. Games like Super Metroid is a classic speedrun title. Playing that same game over and over and over and over again while trying to figure out how to shave off fractions of a second on their run. There's a game that I like to play called Ninja Senki DX that feels like it's made for speedrunning, honestly. It's a classic 8-bit platformer or 8-bit styled platformer and it's, it's tough as nails, but it's the kind of game where I feel like because all the enemies show up in the same places every time, it's less about uh, at a certain point figuring out how to beat the game and more about how to improve my run. If you were listening to Intelligame Radio a few days ago and heard me talk about Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, I very much feel the same way with that game. After a certain point, it's not oh, I'm just playing this to have a good time, it's, oh, well, my high score last time was 2.2 million, and how can I get it to 2.4 million? Can I make a turn here? Can I double back at this point? Can I eat a, uh, a couple fewer ghosts and then run around to increase my chain? I, the point of the story is that I think that speedruns are a really great opportunity for folks to practice mastery. 
We've all heard about the rumored 10,000 hours that it takes to become an expert at any given thing. And of course, that's been recently modified to 10, essentially 10,000 hours of concerted effort. You can't just flip a coin 10,000, you know, for 10,000 hours and then become a coin flip expert. Maybe the coin flip metaphor is a bad one, uh, but the idea is that you have to be consistently trying to improve yourself over that 10,000 hours. And speedrunners have consistently tried to improve themselves even to the fraction of a second. And I think that's part of what makes watching speedruns so fascinating and why they raise so much money. If you haven't seen any, I recommend you look up Summer Games Done Quick or any of the other times that they've run them under the Awesome Games Done Quick banner. There's some really cool things out there, and maybe there's a game that you'll be inspired to speedrun one day. Hey Anchor community, thank you so much for supporting Intelligame Radio here at Anchor FM. Intelligame.us is a game culture and criticism site dedicated to finding intersections between games and the world around us. Intelligame tries to take an approach where we make games accessible for everybody. So if you are new to gaming or if you've been around for quite some time, you should be able to find content through Intelligame that helps you have a deeper understanding of games and the world around you. You can always swing over to Intelligame.us for culture, criticism, analysis, and more. You can also follow us on social media at facebook.com slash letsintelligame or twitter.com slash letsintelligame. Also, don't forget that every Thursday night from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., we stream for a series we call Let's Intelliplay. So if you'd like to watch some games being played and indulge in some commentary, discussion, and laughs, I encourage you to join us. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. It's time for Game of the Day, Day 2. 140 is a platformer that I didn't expect to fall in love with the way that I did. But I've been playing the game for years. It's a minimalist game that, up until a couple of weeks ago, only had three levels. Those levels would change and shift as you progressed through them. Each level revolves around music, and as the music changes, the stage changes as well. Hazards will appear or disappear, platforms appear or disappear, along with the rhythm of the music. And so progressing from the beginning to the end of the level requires a mixture of careful timing and traditional platforming-based skills. Now, from a purely technical perspective, 140 hits all the right buttons. It's a fairly precise platformer, uh, particularly the end-level boss fights are fairly challenging and they can be very frustrating, but they don't ever feel impossible. Usually a combination of sussing out the rhythm of the music with analyzing patterns can help you overcome any obstacle that you need to get through. Today I was feeling a little stressed out and wanted to go back to 140. When I opened the game, it had a strange intro that I didn't recognize and it's because they had patched in a fourth level as free DLC. So my jaw hit the floor because 
I, I've just enjoyed this game so much. Uh, I played through the level, it took me about 10, 5-10 minutes to conquer. 140 is not a, uh, it's not a lengthy game by any means, but it always feels rewarding. After clearing the now four main stage levels, you can go through and challenge them on a one life hardcore mode, where if you die at all in the level, you have to start from the beginning. I can guarantee you, if you're looking for some longevity out of 140, you can play those those hardcore modes, um, and that'll that'll do you for a while. But the reason why 140 is such an exciting game for me is because it looks gorgeous, even though it takes a very low poly, um, a very low poly, low complexity style, and it just sticks to gameplay and and music and rhythm in a way that is comfortable. For some reason, 140 feels like home to me sometimes. And it's also a fairly cheap game. I believe that even when it's not on sale, it's only five bucks. Uh, you can buy it now with the soundtrack for I believe either eight or nine dollars on Steam. But either way, I'm really glad that I went back to 140 today. Particularly after taking the emotional beating that was watching an entire season of House of Cards. That does it for another edition of Intelligame Radio. I'm your host, Josh Boykin. You can find me on Twitter at WallStormer. Thanks so much for hanging out today. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, I hope you hit that subscribe button. Intelligame Radio's home is Anchor FM. If you haven't already, you can download the Anchor app on your favorite mobile device. If you're listening on Anchor, I hope you hit that favorite button so that you can get updates for Intelligame Radio just as soon as we push them out. Also, if you're listening on Anchor and you have questions, comments, or topics that you'd like to hear discussed on Intelligame Radio, be sure to use that call-in function. I'd love to hear from you and possibly even feature you on the show. So until tomorrow, thanks again and keep Intelligaming.